We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. A packed show for you, as always. We're talking boxing and MMA on this episode. A weekend full of boxing. A couple big fights announced as well in the past week. Loma versus Teofimo is finalized for October. Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell is about to happen, which is going to be great as well. Sadly, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. gets pushed back. We'll talk about it. Maybe the old man has enough claws to drop the bet. It's the third time I'm trying in three weeks, so he might be nice. It might be a kind soul. Other things we have to talk about, UFC 252 pay-per-view, Paige Van Zandt signing to bare-knuckle boxing. So tons to go on in the combat sports world. But first, as always, we got to start with the shenanigans of the Twitterverse and everything else going on this week. Dre, first and foremost, congratulations. Let's let's not start off on bullshit. Congrats. Going to be a published author, writing, uh, a bunch of other shit. In the meantime, you are back to being the man of a million jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was crazy. 
Uh, I didn't expect that to happen. So here's the story. For those <laughs> you submitted. That don't, hold on, talk about. You didn't expect. You submitted. Do you honestly? Let's let's just be real. Do you think anything with five slots that you do something writing wise for and submit to, you're not going to be one of the five? You think there's going to be five people better than you? Yes, I do. That's just the it's, humility. It's ridiculous. Go ahead. Anyway. So it was about, for those that don't know, uh, Shea Serrano has a new publishing house. Shea Serrano is a three-time New York Times bestseller, an excellent writer, uh, wrote the, the rap yearbook, um, movies and other things, and basketball and other things. So I guess he's got a publishing deal now, and he has a publishing house called Halfway Books. Yes, play on words like Halfway Crooks, Mob Deep. And uh, they're doing a book on uh, five hip-hop albums that are cultural relevance, and so I saw on the online, on, I think he posted on Twitter, it's like, you know, I'm looking for five authors to write. And he had like a Google sheet. And it was like one in the morning. I think it was after a UFC card. And I was drinking whiskey. Then I looked and I scrolled past it. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just send a pitch in and see what happens. And I was half drunk, sending a pitch. Uh, and then I left it alone. And then I got an email Tuesday. Was like, well, we got thousands of entries, and I'm glad to say that you're one of the top ones we picked. And at first, I was like, oh, I'm waiting for the, but you're weren't good enough. But no, it was like, no, we we're picking you, and here's the contract. We're making an announcement. Are you interested? Yeah, sure, I'm interested. So, uh, yeah, I'm writing a a chapter on Kendrick Lamar's "The Pimp a Butterfly," Kel's favorite album. <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't reveal the pitch. Although, it, I will say it's a combination of what I have written in the past based on Kendrick and a, the, and what I've talked about in this particular show, which is the current climate of journalism, uh, music journalism, and how people respond to things. And uh, that's, what, that's all I'll say about it until I complete the writing. But uh, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of exciting. I'm, I'm going to be a published author. And I'm, it's not like I got to wait for book royalties either. I'm getting like a nice little advance. Hey, this is dope kind of excited yeah man it's the start of many things i feel like you have all these stories you share with us on the podcast you tell us about your times in the music industry i mean not that you're completely out of it but you tell us about hip-hop dx and then um what hip-hop site yep. for then and then there's also the time at bt if you just wrote a book on your time at bt that shit would be crazy just detail your year there and listen i'll buy five advanced copies and then you know you you go on and you keep writing about music two dope boys all this stuff lending your voice everywhere um creating your own site at one point well verse just tons of shit so you have all this knowledge and experience not many people can get closer to the subject even though i, I don't know these other uh four that were chosen i'm sure they were great writers but you being privy to being around Kendrick multiple times on multiple projects, writing something for the Grammys when it was nominated. Yeah. Seeing the performance, which really just hammers home the impact of that album. That performance is still nuts. The fact that you, you do that and Kendrick did that on a major stage is crazy. Um, to the album art, and we talked about the impact of it. I could never, you know, front on the impact of that album. The impact is just ginormous. So, they'd be hard-pressed to find someone better to write about that album than you. So, congrats. I was excited. I was like, fuck it, I gotta take a shot for the old man. I had something there that was aged. I don't even know what it is. Just something aged. I was like, yeah, this this feels right. 
this will be approved by the old man. So I took a shot at that. It's, it's great, man. It's always great to see growth. It's, you know, it's weird. Someone told me this the other day, in which I had to step back for a second, but they're like, uh, it was yesterday. They were like, yo, my friend at work, and this is someone I went to high school with. We talk still, um, you know, maybe like once a year, but he hit me up on Facebook Messenger, and he was like, my friend sent me this clip or this tweet, and it was from Andreas Hale. And he was like, I wonder where I knew that name from. Then he was like, I looked it up, and you guys do the podcast. He's like, yo, you guys are everywhere. So I had to tell my friend, like, I know I went to school with Kel, and he's the co-host with Andreas Hale, and, like, my friend's, like, wild out. And I was like, yo, that's fucking crazy. I was like, one, it's a small world. And two, I was like, we don't do, like, that much. That's kind of like your humility, though. You have enough humility for the both of us. Because I don't go, fuck, I'll be stunting. So, <laughs> but, like, when stuff like that happens, I'm just like, yo, one, I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm, I've done some shit in my life. I feel like I, I'm getting closer to where I want to be and then trying to surpass that. But I often forget how big you are because you'll never mention it. But you're 20, almost 20 years deep, 18 years deep of a lot of big time shit. So I forget how, how broad your reach is. We even we shouldn't forget people are walking down streets with the signs, with just a random tweet you made, just chilling one day like, oh, let me fucking tweet this. It's gonna be the quote of a generation. <laughs> but I, I forget like, yo, a lot of people know Dre. Like Dre is fucking big time. So yeah, man, I'd take a shot for you. It's like this motherfucker's crazy, and he'll never admit it, never say it. Nope. But this guy's kind of oh, crack the claw to you. Yes. Uh, kind of. Kind of a big deal. Shout out to everyone on Twitter, by the way, who listens to the show and is trying to get White Claw to sponsor. <laughs> it's like a movement. Like, people are just adding White Claw right now. Like, yo, you guys really got to sponsor these dudes. Um, so, yeah, that's that was the first thing I wanted to jump on. That's something that I feel like I saw on the timeline. A ton of praise going your way, deservingly for that. And then I feel like maybe it took two hours for you to get back on your bullshit, though. <laughs> and and, and, and the best, in the best of ways. So, like, two hours after that, Joe Biden comes, and they announce that Kamala Harris is his vice president, what, not nominee, but what is she? She's running, running with him. Running mate. Thank yeah. you. So, we see this as the concert goes on in your background. Um, but she's announced as the running mate for Joe Biden, and immediately... You have to school these youngsters on the timeline. Youngsters, oldsters, if that's a word, you, you just had to make sure people realize, like, yo, the gist of it is, yeah, this woman had a job, and she did her job. To me, I, I watched her timeline because I didn't know a lot of shit you were talking about either. I wasn't calling her Officer Ricky Ross like a lot of people. Like, she ain't over here Rosé. Oh, she ain't, she ain't that to me. But I, I didn't know the depths of her, you know, career beforehand either, before running and becoming a politician and slaying people in these uh, in these debates. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, read what Dre says, go and do a little research myself. But listening to kind of how you dove into the subject and really told people like, yo, which I feel like we said this to nauseam, don't believe everything. Go and do your own research. It's not that hard. 
and you put that out there perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it didn't take long. You're absolutely right. Um, the Kamala Harris thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been trying, I've been following Kamala Harris, not for the entirety of her term as a uh, district attorney and attorney general before she became senator, but just enough because I was like, hey, it's a black woman, right? She went to Howard. She pledged AKA. She's black. So we got to get that out of the way first. For anybody sits there and says, oh, she, I love it when white people was like, she's not black because they did it with Obama too. He's not, listen, you can't tell somebody else what to identify as. And if she identifies as a black woman and she identifies with her other heritage as well, you can't deny that. So she's a black woman. So the issue is I see Biden uh, picks Kamala Harris and I see half the timeline in jubilation, excited, thrilled. Right choice, Joe, because Joe, you're a shitty candidate. So you need somebody to help you out. I've always said Joe was not a good candidate. So we got Kamala Harris. And immediately, the other half of black Twitter starts running down saying that she's a cop. And, you know, she called herself uh, California's top cop in the 2016 speech. But nobody wanted to provide the context around that because she was talking about policing the police. You have to do your research. Um... But they talked about her being a district attorney and locking people up, uh, particularly black men. And somebody was like, she uh, has endorsed policies. I'm like, listen, man, that's not what a, a, a district attorney does. A DA is the state prosecutor, which and if you ask any lawyer, a lawyer can't just go, you know, I'm just going to switch sides for the other team. You can't do that. You have to do your job. And she was a DA. So they were like, well, she locked black people up. She locked, she didn't lock black people up by choice. And for furthermore, the most important thing to remember is she locked up criminals, which means rapists, murderers, child molesters. Those are criminals, too. She just didn't go willy nilly like searching for black people to lock them up. Now, if you want to blame the system for disproportion, disproportionately locking up African-American men and women. Sure, I'll give you that. But she's only part of the system. And as a politician in a state appointed job, she can only really do her job. Has she made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. Her, she's not squeaky clean by any means, but no politician is. None. Not a single one. Even when Obama was in office, there were drone strikes that were killing women and children in third world countries. That, that's something that we could never endorse. But you have to understand the job of a politician. And Kamala Harris being a vice president... You have to you have to say something to the fact that being a district attorney and an attorney general as a black woman and then a senator and now possibly the first African-American woman as vice president. It means something. So for those of you that say, well, she ain't for me. Well, she ain't for me. Listen, you got to make your fucking choice. Either you <laughs> go with this Biden Harris ticket or you roll with the one that we currently have. It's not the time to argue about Kamala Harris, who is the vice president, who is not nearly as bad as Mike Pence, right? And let's be honest, when we vote for the president, a vast majority of the time, nobody's voting for the vice president. That's just a tag along. Like when Bill Clinton was president, Al Gore was the tag along. And then they kind of become who they are. Like Biden was with Obama. Nobody voted for Joe Biden, you voted for Obama. Nobody voted for Mike Pence, they voted for Trump. But this is probably one of the instances where Kamala is going to give Joe Biden a boost in an election that black people and minorities across this country and liberals need to win. So if you want to hold her accountable when she gets into office, because then she can, you know, support and endorse policies like she's not a legislator. Like 
Google it. If you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, Google what legislation is. She's not that. She prosecutes. And then people was like, well, she doesn't defend him. No shit. She's a prosecutor. My wife's going to be an attorney. You pick a side. And no matter what, that's the side you got to choose. And it sucks because as a, as a defender, as a defense attorney, you got to defend people and try to get them out of jail and stuff like that. But you're also defending people that are fucking guilty. Yep. So in the case like of somebody like Johnny Cochran, who's a very interesting one because they would lit his ass up on Twitter today if he was uh, defending OJ because people are stupid. But what Johnny Cochran did as a defense attorney was he found a way to exploit and expose the racial flaws in the LAPD. The glove doesn't fit. You must quit. All that shit. That's what his goal was. And it, honestly, my wife hit me to that a little bit more because I've read Cochran's book later on and I followed him. But I never really realized like his entire goal was never about OJ. It was about fucking over the LAPD. And sometimes you got to use the tools that you have to get what you want. But there's going to be people that, that you defend that suck, that are horrible people, that murder kids. Like R. Kelly's attorneys aren't terrible people. They're doing their job. And their job sucks. It's just the way it is. So Kamala Harris's job at times has sucked. Has she, did she, I think she endorsed the Afghanistan war. She was behind that. Like, she supported it. Yeah, that's wrong. There's, like, she was, there was a fine, and it's very complex because she wanted people to keep their kids in school. So she was trying to find a way to make sure parents and their kids in school. And she was finding parents for keeping their kids out of school. It's a crazy loophole there because it's like, it's hard because like, well, you're finding people and you don't know why they don't go to school. I always call it the pound cake argument. You got to get to the root of it. Kamala Harris has been behind some things that make her not squeaky clean, but dude, the end game is get Agent Orange the fuck out of office. And if you want to argue about Kamala later, go for it. But man, you see this goon in office and the shit he's doing and you can tell me that, that Kamala's worse than him? As a vice president? The fuck out of here. Y'all got to stop and educate yourselves a little bit more. I saw people saying like, oh, I'd rather vote for Trump than that cop in Kamala. I was just like, yo, one thing I hate is people not keeping the same energy. So, okay, if you think she was a cop, which she wasn't, she was doing her job. Yes, could she have been a defense attorney? Possibly. That's not where she wanted to go. So, cool, whatever. Sometimes it's not cool to be a prosecutor. No, there's rarely any shows built around the prosecutors. <laughs> like, that shit ain't cute. Everyone wants to be how to get away with murder. Right? Everyone wants to be Olivia Pope. Where No, we're getting the bad guys off. Why? Because we all know bad guys. I get it. I know plenty of drug dealers right now that are in prison that I grew up with. And it sucks. I thought, you know, we were friends growing up. I hate to see people go in there. Guess what? They were fucking drug dealers. So they did stuff that was wrong in their life, and they unfortunately suffered the consequences. So she was doing her job. And I don't know how people can't separate that. But if you don't want to separate that, please look up what Mike Pence has supported in his career. Right. Please look up what Donald Trump has said. Oh, by the way, you can't look up what he supported and not supported because he wasn't a politician before this shit. But if you just want to take him for his words and his opinions, go and look up what he thinks and what he feels. Dude. And then, then let's, I, I don't care if you got to do this shit like friends and make a chart where Ross did half for Rachel, half for Julie. Do it. Cool. We'll go Biden and Kamala versus Pence and Trump. 
make just make a line down the middle and go back and forth on what they stand for. And then you tell me that this is worse. I'm not saying this is perfection. This is what a lot of people, and this is why I stayed out of the argument. But I, I will say on this podcast, because we're all friends here, we're all family. This is where us as black people sometimes fuck up. And I can say this objectively about my people. Is that we want perfection. We want 100% of something. Or we're okay with 0% of that until it's perfect. Every one of us wants to be millionaires and billionaires. But we're not... Some people aren't built to be, you know, $10,000, $100,000. They don't know how to take the steps. Everything's instant. So when I look at this shit, it's like, yo, they're not perfect. But they're so much better than that. Let's get out of that and then let's figure shit out. Because if you're just waiting for perfection, you're going to have us real fucked up until then. Dude, this, this is one other thing I have to point out. For all you people that sit at home and watch Law and Order and The Wire. That's for you. Yeah, like it like and you watch it religiously. And then you look at like Kamala Harris or you look at like state prosecutors or you look at the hierarchy of like the LA like the police department and the sergeant and what a detective does. Because they lay it all out there for you on all these shows. They tell you what a, the difference between it is it's explicit. A beat cop and a detective are two completely different levels of the law. A state prosecutor is not a cop. Never has been, never will be. But you guys watch these shows, and then you come on black Twitter with all these uninformed opinions, and then say she's a cop because she said she's a top cop. No, I can say I'm the king of the jungle. It doesn't make me a fucking lion. <laughs> That's true. Jesus sure. Christ, man. Like, Just do your due diligence and research these things before you start talking. Because the worst thing you can do right now for this particular election that Trump is actively trying to defund the fucking mail system so people can't get their ballots. The worst thing you can do is give people who are on the fence and never really voted for before a reason to not go and vote. Yep. That's the worst thing you can do. With your uninformed ass telling people, well, she's a cop. And if I'm sitting at home and I've never voted before, like I'm an 18-year-old, I'm a 21-year-old, or I'm a 35-year-old who's never voted. And I'm like, well, if she's a cop, then I ain't going to vote. Guess who loses? We do. More importantly, and this is what I always said. This is why I said before COVID and all that. I said I said Trump is going to get reelected. Just don't be mad. That's what's going to happen. Things have changed because this guy has been a complete moron. So it's, I think I'm 50-50 now because Biden still kind of sucks. Trump's still going to try to get reelected. But the thing is, the reason why he's got a base that doesn't give a fuck. They, no, if he's wrong, dog. If he's wrong, they're like so. We're gonna like we got. He's better than the alternative to his base. He's always gonna be better than them. That's it. Yep. For us, we look at one minor detail or major, depending on how you look at it. And we was like, we go. I ain't. That's why I don't vote. What are you, what are you stupid? That's why you don't vote. Come on, man. People are stupid. This As is hell. just what. This is just what I've come to realize. The great majority of people are stupid. And it's how well can you pander to the stupid people. And pe stupid people love listening to stupid people. Yes, all the time. When, they're, when they try to listen to smart people, it's like, it's like being in the, the What's-His-Face cartoon where they can't listen to the teachers. What is that? The Charlie Brown cartoon. <laughs> wah, 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 yeah. yeah, like, that's smart people. When they talk, and dumb people hear it. But they'll listen 
to every word of a dumb person. Case in point, the baby saying, y'all crazy if y'all don't think I'm voting for Kanye. Like, you know what? Trump might steal this dumb shit. Because you know what? There's a ton of dumbass people that are like, oh, the baby said it. Dude. <laughs> like, yes. it's ridiculous. Trump's like, uh, two weeks ago, people were like, Trump really thinks we're that, black people are that dumb that Kanye's going to take away the vote? Yes. Yes, he does. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because one thing he's very smart about is knowing how to relate to dumb people. It won him the election. Yeah. It's a game, And it could steal him another. Because there's a lot more dumb people than smart people. So if he panders to the dumb, and he knows how to puppeteer the dumb, he gets pretty far in life. Yeah, so, listen, again, if you're one of the people that don't endorse Kamala, like, I'm not mad at you for not saying that she's the best thing in the world. I'm just saying, think about the end game. We've all played played on a team with a player that sucks, right? We hate their guts. And, you know, I've seen quarterbacks throw to their receivers over the middle just to get them blown up sometimes. But usually the game is in hand at that point, right? Like, usually we're up by, like, 21, and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, I don't like you. I'm going to throw this bomb so you can get lit up by this the free safety, right? Like, Ronnie Lott used to light people up, and I've seen quarterbacks just throw over the middle. It's like, why'd you do that? You just got your receiver killed. But the game's in hand. Wait until the game is in hand before you start acting stupid. Until then, we're all trying to win. We're on the same team. We're trying to win. You got to win the game. Don't be out there just throwing picks, not like missing blocks, and letting Kamala and, and Joe get sacked. Defend them. And then after, in the offseason, be like, Kevin Durant be like, I don't fuck with y'all. Like, that's cool. After the fact, we already won. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's there's a lot more Carltons than there are Wills. If people are fans of the Fresh Prince, they draw up the play at the end of the game. Will had all those points. They need one last <laughs> shot. Carlton takes that shit and chucks it. Just smile on his face, airballs it. That's what a lot of people are. They rather be the person to hang their hat on saying, well, look, see? Oh, this is, no, I told you it was going to be wrong, than being part of the solution and making sure it's right. They rather miss that shot, but know they took it out of stupidity, than make sure that the right thing happens. Give the right person the ball. Make sure we win. No, 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 no. They can't do that. So it, it's stupid. And I'll, I'll tell you how crazy and simple-minded people are. Double XL's freshman cover came out for this year. Mm-hmm. 2020 freshman cover. Like every year. We talk about this every year. So I was like, all right. Back to the lab. All day today I've been listening to the artist on this cover. I've pulled them up. Um, and when... I'm looking at this, I can't, one, I recognize two people, if we're just keeping it, if we're keeping it funky, I recognize two people on this list, so I pull it up, Mulatto, I recognize, I guess not as much as you, because you sent me a link, and she was on some (laughs) show, so I gotta watch that show on Netflix, and then I know Jack Harlow, because he has the biggest song this summer, but then I start going, I go, what is this, clockwise, around from Rod Wave on the cover all the way through Jack Harlow. And I'm listening to everyone's music, objectively. Like, let me see why these kids are on the list. So I was going clockwise on this cover and looking at some of these artists, and I just don't get it. Everyone sounds the same. All of them. Not one person sounds different. 
So I, I really don't understand the appeal of this unless it's to appeal to simple-minded people and children who may not have, like, the worldly knowledge yet. To me, that's, that's the only two audiences for this. Because, listen to 24K Golden, didn't do it for me. Uh, Fivio, Fabio, excuse me, Fabio Foreign was one of, I think, four people on this list that do Brooklyn drum and bass. Which, to me, drum and bass never started in Brooklyn, but these young kids don't know that shit. And they all sound like Pop Smoke. Every single one of them sound like Pop Smoke. So, Fabio, um, Cowboy, if I'm pronouncing that right, Lil TJ, they all sound the same. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> they all do. Like, Polo oh, G, Polo G stuck out to me. For the current climate, I see why he's on here. And it's still not, like, mind-blowing. No one on this list... Harlow included has like mind blowing talent. Where I'm like, oh my god, that person spits, or they're so good musically. Like no one jumped out that way. Um, Polo G was cool. Mulatto's mulatto. Uh, Harlow's good, and I don't. I didn't really get into the chica or chica. I don't know, chica, chick with the dog, but. I guess it was alright. She got like some singing, rapping, really dumbed down Lauren Hill style shit. Yeah, I mean, look, man, this is these publications now. It's it's a very strange thing because these publications now are catering to a younger demographic. Because I can almost guarantee you that my nephew listens to half of this shit. Yeah, because they're all on TikTok. I'm sure my kids listen to shit. Too. Yeah. So what they do end up doing is a double XL who's floundering for uh, attention because nobody gives a shit about double XL anymore. Uh, is it trying to appeal to an audience? Now the funny thing about this audience is this audience ain't gonna buy no magazine. This audience is also not going to go to your website. They're just on social media. Yeah. The people who do occasionally buy a magazine or the people who do still occasionally go to a website are the older people. So I've never understood this. And I, I kind of mentioned this when I talked about BET. It was like, well, you're BET and you're trying to do all this stuff for young people. But the people who still have cable television are older people. So if you put on your program and instead of showing reruns of the Parkers or whatever the shit you're doing nowadays, even though I've heard the No Limit in uh, Rough Riders docs are really good. But um, if you put on like old episodes of Rap City and Video Soul, I'm in. I'm watching it if I still have cable, right? Like I'm, I'm watching it. But Double XL is using, well, not even using. I get, yeah, they're using these young artists because there used to be a time where magazines were the ones who broke artists. Like you didn't know who an artist was until a magazine wrote about them, and then you were like, "I gotta find that." Yep. Now it works in the reverse. The magazine is endorsing people who already got eight million views on YouTube. What kind of backwards ass shit is that? But that's kind of how the games changed, because they're not tastemakers or trendsetters anymore. This is just kind of a stamp of approval by a publication that has a decent amount of followers. But I guarantee you XXL doesn't have as many followers as half of these artists on this list. So instead of the artist looking to gleam off of the, uh, the status of the publication, the publication is trying to gleam off the status of the artist. So they're going to look for these young artists and they go, well, how many followers do you have? That's whack. That's not what breaking artists looks like or trend setting. It's backwards. So with these artists here, 
Um, I listened to a few. Like, Mulatto's a funny case because I watched the rap game. It was one of the few reality shows that I sit there and watch, and I thought it was hilarious. And Mulatto did not look or act like this. Um, but I know her music, so I, I can kind of see why she's on there. Uh, Polo G, who's when I was riding with Errol Spence in Dallas, that's like all he was listening to. He was talking about how amazing Polo G was. And I was like, word. <laughs> Just okay. Like, cool. Whatever. All right. Jack Harlow. I like Jack Harlow. Everybody else, mm, either I haven't heard them and, and I won't. I just didn't like their music. You gotta listen to it, yo. You I've really listened to some, like NLE Chop. I've listened to. I've listened I can't to Lil do TJ. it. I've to me, he's to... the worst on this list. By the way, NLE Chopper, worst on this list. He's, I mean, a lot of them. It's just the same goddamn music. But that's. I'm at the point now with my music. I just like what the fuck I like. Like every Friday, well, every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time, I go to Apple Music and I'm like, oh, what came out? But I have my list of things that I'm always always looking for. So I know what I'm gonna get. Like I like what comes out this week is Boldy James's uh, debut on Griselda. Like there's no Griselda art- artist on here, but whatever. Just don't give a yeah. shit. But um, that's what I do, and that's how I find my music. So yeah, these these double XL freshman lists. Like once upon a time, it was Lupe, Wale, Saigon, J Rock. Now it's these guys. Yeah, they were the list were deep back in the day. Uh, Crook and Joel were on the same cover. Yeah. But back then, it was kind of playing loose and fast with the word freshman. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always complicated because of they, like, Crooked Eye, for instance, or King Crooked Eye. I've known Crook for years, and Crook was on death row. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so to call him a freshman is kind of difficult because he's not, like, really a freshman. So it's like, how do you define this? So I guess you look at it as an artist who hasn't released a body of work. But now... All you gotta do is go on SoundCloud, and every every single one of these artists have a body of work. But again, I don't give a shit about what XXL thinks. I don't look to them to tell me what's hot. I don't. I look to me. So fuck them, and uh, no disrespect to like them in particular, but they just have no clout, man. Like I don't care about this freshman list. I used to care. We t- you talked about this five years ago. I don't care. I really don't. Don't yeah. g- don't give a damn. The journalists in the room have changed. Yeah. And that's the, a major key. So the ones that know better are chasing the dollars and cents of it, so they'll ignore better. And there's also now a writer's room of people who don't know any better. Don't have a clue. And that's that's what's problematic. But I want to take a stroll down memory lane, because we've done this now. This will be our sixth XXL freshman cover that we talk about. I feel like every year we shit on it. Every year. <laughs> so... It's funny you go back, 2016, when I'm pretty sure I was like, yo, I don't know who half of these people are. But to revisit it, that was probably their last good list. Uh, 2016. 2016. So, Lil Yachty. All right. Designer. Probably could have been left off. Dave East. Actually really dope. Denzel Curry. Cool. G Herbo. Which, you know what? Out of everything, the grand scheme of things, I kind of fuck with G Herbo. G, G Herbo can rap. Yeah. So, dope. Lil Uzi Vert. I mess with Lil Uzi Vert. People say he has an album of the year. I don't believe that. But I like that man's music. Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky's on TV every week. Guy's wildly talented and he can spit. Uh, Anderson Park, great. 21 Savage. I'm cool with 21 Savage and Kodak Black. If he didn't go to prison and be a knucklehead, he had a run. He's probably the worst on this list. 
So when Kodak Black is the worst, that's not a bad freshman cover. Yeah. In retrospect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's I'm, not good? Like designer? Maybe designer's, designer's the worst. Designer's whack. I mean, little Yachty's whack too, but it's neither hey, Yachty's had verses. I'll give Yachty. Like, Yachty on Chance's album crushed that shit. I wouldn't say crush, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, I can't, like, I look at these lists. Whatever. Oh, like, one, yeah. like my, one of my favorite rappers that's on these lists from the recent ones is J.I.D. He was on 2018, and I love his shit. Dreamsville artist. He's got yep. great stuff. But, like, you look at the rest of that list, Ski Mask Slump God, nope. Little Pump? Nope. Little Pump? You don't fuck with Little Pump? No. So, oh, no, I could never listen to Stefan Don, where? Where is that person? YB and Amir? Yeah. Nope. Cinnamon YB and Corday. Uh, Wi Fi's Funerals? He's okay. Trippy Red? No, thank you. Like, no, Trippy Red is not for me, and he's still around, heavy. Yo, I don't get that. He really um, is. So it's like a lot of these lists, like I look and I just go, like a lot of these artists, if I've heard of them already, then I'm like, who cares? <laughs> like, like who cares? You're not telling me anything I don't know. And then these yeah, other yeah. artists, I'm like, well, I've never heard of you. And then I hit play and I'm like, that's why. That's why I've never heard of you. And I don't so, care. So many go by the wayside now. Like 2016, to me, was an anomaly. But you, you look at 2017, Kamaya, haven't heard anything from her in three years. A Boogie, A Boogie's my dude. But that's a high bridge connection. Um, PNB Rock, all right. X passed away. Playboy Cardi, not for me. Uh, made into yo, made into yo. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. He's not around. Amine, um, yo, I just listened to like a couple of his songs. He's a weird dude. I like him in there. He's dope. But I, but I, I think it's cool. Like he got a nice bounce and he has a couple hits. Ugly God, no clue who the hell he is. Probably because he's ugly. Uh, Cap G, not for me at all. No. And Kyle. How's your name? Just Kyle. <laughs> Kyle's actually, he's not bad. Like, I got to support his one. music. Yeah, I don't even like, know which one he is, but it's just Kyle. Yeah, Kyle's not bad. and he, I mean, he's not terrible. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor, and he's in a movie on Netflix that I can't remember the name of it. But again, man, like these lists are just really arbitrary. They don't mean anything to me. They just really don't. Like... Why wasn't Pop Smoke on this freshman year list even though he's passed away? I don't... Because, again, I guess it's freshman. But Pop should be on it. There's four other people who sound just like Pop, so why not? I just don't get the science behind it. But that's why That's why I just stopped caring. Because if I try to, I'm just going to get a headache. I got enough things to give me a headache in this world. And trying to figure out a double XL freshman list doesn't need to be a part of that. So I'm okay. Yeah, definitely. Not. But you never know. If they come with a big enough check, you end up running double XL. Then we can talk about it on this show, and I blame you for this stupid ass list. Yeah, you never know how the future goes, man. You have a million jobs. So <laughs> anything is a possibility when talking to you. Uh, let's hit the break. When we come back, plenty of combat sports to talk about. We're going to dive into boxing, and it's a whirlwind of stuff going on there. So thank you guys for sticking with us so far. Stay for the rest of the show and all the combat sports. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday ticket.tv you can stream every live out of market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players 
No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, just that quick, we are back and we are talking boxing in this segment. Um, first and foremost, Dre, I know it's not on the boxing tip, but I feel like we have beef going because you laughed at me today. You laughed at me <laughs> when I was at one of my flyest points in life on my Facebook. I haven't posted this on any other social media, even though I might, if people listen to this show want to see it. Uh, I posted a picture of me from junior year homecoming. Look at Fly with the all-white suit, pink vest, white cane, chilling in the group photo. And, uh, yeah, you weren't feeling the look. Was, I feel like I, I didn't see that. Dope. I just thought it was funny. You look like um, Christopher Daniels from SCU. Like, with the, little, <laughs> with the cane. You got the little cane. I'm like, and you got the squat going. I'm like, look at this shit. <laughs> it's like a rainbow coalition of people in the picture. Like, Listen, I, man, that was Rancho High School. Everybody, it was, it was a mixed pot. I, I'll, you know what? Just to keep things fun, like sometime this week or next, I'll post one of my group pictures from high school. So you guys can have a laugh at that. But I don't have a cane. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> there is no cane in my picture. Well, it's all right. Me squatting down in that picture and you standing up at the same height. Haha! Very funny. <laughs> you were like five two in high school. What can I say? I, was I feel like you've hit a growth spurt. Perhaps because you you look tiny in all of those pictures. Yeah, I was small, like, through until, like, junior years when I finally grew. I was just, like, mad small. It made me an angry little guy, too. I was really pissed off. <laughs> Napoleon Dre uh, and the many names of the cliques that, that you've had. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing that picture later in the week. It's always nice to see you uh, with the full head of hair. Yeah, that, too. Yeah, it's a nice throwback to yesteryear. Uh, now, let's talk about boxing, though. So... Coming up, just announced, it's happening October 17th, tentatively. Might move to the 24th, depending on stuff, but 17th looks good right now. We have Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez. A fight that it got a little shaky towards the end, but is finalized. They made the numbers work. The biggest thing that comes out of this announcement is that it won't be pay-per-view. Thank It'll God. be on ESPN. That was the right decision. Jeez. I feel like the buzz around the announcement was so much bigger because it's not going to be a pay-per-view fight. Yeah, who wants... Like, man, boxing is in this really weird state right now. Like, they're not really popping ratings. They're doing okay. Like, but the UFC is doing better. Yes. So to ask people to pay for a pay-per-view between two guys who've never been on pay-per-view before at a time like this... Might not be the best idea because you still need to get them exposed. Yet, yes, boxing fans know who Lopez and Lomachenko are. Easy. General fan does not. General fans are not really having fight parties either right now because of COVID. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, I won't be that surprised. But <laughs> the uh, the overarching theme here is like accessibility. Like we have to, you have to win over fans to get them involved with the sport, and this is the perfect fight to do that. Because ESPN can sell the hell out of this fight, and it's on free TV, and then the winner is now a pay-per-view attraction. But it's like putting the cart in front of the horse, and then you're like, Loma wins, but Loma doesn't really speak good English. He's not really like a marketable guy. Like, TFN was the guy you got to market. Like, that's yeah. a guy who can sell tickets. 
Loma's just an excellent fighter. But I don't think that fight was going to do well via pay-per-view. But I'm cool on this being on ESPN. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's a hell of a fight. It's one of the best fights this year. You've always been high on Teofimo. I have, man. I, I have. I think, I think he could give – this is a tough fight to pick because Teofimo's footwork is pretty good. Lomachenko's is exquisite. Yes. Teofimo has a chin like Grant and punches like a sack of bricks too. And Loma got dropped by Linares. Now, that might not mean a whole lot, but I don't know what happens if T.O. catches him. The question is, can T.O. catch him? And I don't know the answer to that. Loma's so good. And there's a lot of people that are just saying, well, you know, uh, Loma this, Loma that, and Teofimo's young, and he'll catch him. I don't know if that's true. I, I, who said Loma Chico looked old? He's never looked old in a fight. He's not old. Not, <laughs> not, that's like, where does this come from? yeah. This is, that's the case. Terrence Crawford is old. Keith Thurman is old. Like, they're all the same age. So I, I'm more fascinated with the facet of the fight that suggests, well, what does T.O. do if he can't catch Loma with his initial game plan after three or four rounds? That's what I want to see. Like, if whatever T.O. sets out to do and he, what's put in front of him isn't what he expects by any stretch of the imagination, how does he adjust? Because I, I, believe, I truly believe the best fighters in the world – after a while, it's like, fuck a game plan. I'm coming to fight. And I'm yep. like, whatever my corner tells me, cool, because they may see some things that I don't. But for the most part, I'm adjusting to what's in front of me. And a lot of guys, and I always use Jeff Lacey as an example when he fought, fought Calzaghe, a lot of guys just can't adjust. Once plan A's out the window, they're done. Andre Ward got knocked down by Kovalev like in the third round of their first fight yep. and made adjustments. And a lot of people think he lost. Uh, but it ended up being a draw. And then he made further adjustments and stopped him. Floyd Mayweather got cracked by Shane Mosley. There was nothing in Floyd's corner that could figure out what happened except for Floyd Mayweather. So, and Teo's dad's in his corner. And that's not the guy I'm going to trust to tell me how to beat Lomachenko. <laughs> I mean, Lomachenko has his dad in the corner. I mean. Yeah, but see, Loma, I don't think there's anything that his dad can tell Loma that Loma's going to be like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. I, yeah. I think that Loma fights purely off of instinct. And I think Teofimo does to a degree. But I think the best fighters in the world, they fight off of instinct. And then when the going gets tough, they are able to shift gears. It's not necessarily a plan A, B, or C. It's just figuring out what your opponent is doing a lot of, taking that away, and then taking advantage of the things that you see. And that's hard when you get tired. That's really hard. So I don't know, man. It's a hell of a fight. I'm not going to make my pick until like the week of. Because early on, I was like, yeah, I'm going to lean on Tiafimo because I think he hits really hard. He'll put Loma down. Now I'm going back to Loma because I'm like, he can frustrate the shit out of Tio for four or five rounds. And what's he going to do? Yeah. I I reserve the right to be a flip-flopper, you know, <laughs> until the week of the fight. Like, I'm just be real. But the original way I'm leaning, it, it still it holds a point of – the only weakness Loma has ever showed is size. Yeah. He's not a 135-pounder. No, he's a tiny guy. He's a 130-pound guy fighting up because he's that talented. He couldn't fight at 140. I think he would be not a shell of himself, but he'd lose a lot of what was special. And whether it's the first loss of his career where uh, what's-his-face came in overweight and bullied him. Or the last fight we saw when he moved up to 135, initially it was like, oh, wait, he got caught. Like, oh, shit, what's happening? He gets dropped. And then he comes back, he figures it out. 
but he has troubles with that size and people that can lean on him. And Teofimo's one of the biggest guys at 135 pounds. Yeah, big and it strong. It matches up nicely. Strong. Like, Teofimo could end up fighting at 154 before it's all done. Yeah, he's mad young. He's got, like I said, he's got hands of bricks. He's got a really good boxing IQ and a fantastic chin. There's a lot of things that Teal brings to the table. The only thing I'm concerned with is, again, when the going gets tough and your ego shattered a little bit, can you adjust? It's the teams yeah. that are down by 20 and figure out how to come back. Those are the best teams. You keep blowing people out. If you never touch the mat or you're never behind in the game and then it happens, like Tyson never knew how to get off the canvas. He never knew. And when he got put down by Buster, he didn't know what to do. He never faced adversity. Changed everything. So I got to see what Tio does when he faces adversity. The thing I can say about Loma is when he fought Orlando Salido, he dealt with adversity in a dirty-ass boxer, and he had to figure, like, oh, I can't fight like this the whole fight. If I'm getting outsized, if I'm getting hit in the nuts, I got to make adjustments. I can't fight an amateur style. It's going to be an interesting fight, man. I'm looking forward to it. So am I talking about the same thing along the same lines, you know, someone with amateur pedigree, a lot more experience. Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell was made. No date yet, but yeah. Yeah, no no date. Again, a lot of these dates are fluid, right? What are they aiming for? November? There's so many fucking fights on every weekend that it's tough. Yeah, they're aiming for... I know uh, they're aiming for November. I mean, you know, they won the purse bid. So, yeah, we're thinking November, but it, that's a hell of a fight. We're going to... Uh, hell again, of a fight. We're going to find out what Ryan's really made of. Not exactly. That, not that Luke Campbell's a world beater. Luke Campbell got beat by Lomachenko. Lomachenko. <laughs> we're going to find out... How good is Ryan? Because we haven't seen Ryan go rounds in a while. His last yeah. two fights, first round knockouts. So let's see what he happens. He may not go rounds with Luke. It's possible. <laughs> it's very possible. I, mean, I can't get mad at him if he if he you know doesn't want to do any overtime. I can't get mad at that. Yeah, I, I think the talent gap is quite large. The only thing that squeezes it down is the experience. Luke, you can't take away from Luke. He's a gold medalist. Yeah, and he's rough. He's a rugged kid in there. Like when, when, yeah. he, when he fights, like he fights. He's he's seen Loma. He's you can't show him anything he hasn't seen before. Right. At that weight class, he's been in there with heavy punchers. He's been in there with the the slickest of the slickest, the smartest of the smartest. So you're not going to show him anything different. You have to make sure that he doesn't pull some veteran shit on you, and then let your talent shine. So that's what Ryan has to get over. To me, this is probably the toughest fight realistically he could have. Yeah, I think we're at that point now that, you know, like he can't really take soft touches. No, this is tougher than Linares would have been. No, I don't think so. You don't I, think? No, I think Linares I, I think is a little Linares bit more I think Linares comes at him. I, well, I think Linares is actually a little bit more crafty. Uh, Campbell's a, like what Floyd used to say, straight up and down, no special effects. Linares, he can hide his punch as well. Like, he put Loma down because he made an adjustment. Um, he was always primed for greatness, never reached that. Uh, he's kind of like the Sebastian Telfair of boxing. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I came with that off the top of my head, man. Um, but when he's on his game, Linares is on his game. I don't think, like, Linares' ceiling is still a lot higher than Campbell's. He just hasn't touched it. Campbell's ceiling is not really that high. Yeah, it's arguably worse. Campbell is maxed out, maybe his potential. Yeah, Linares is like throttling on like. No, nah, he's just missed gear. it. Like he just he. Yeah, you like know, he, he did, I don't know what he. I don't know what happened to Linares. 
Lennar is when he signed with Golden Boy and Oscar and, and Richard Schaefer was like, this is going to be the next world champion. And we saw him and we were like, yeah, we all believed him. And then I can't remember, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who he blew his ass up. He adjust. I mean, he, he adjusts, but he makes a ton of mistakes and he relies on his athletic yeah. ability when yep. he should be relying on his IQ and he doesn't. And that's what gets no. him light up. And he's got kind he of a glass He'll ball. walk into something, which yeah. is why I'm saying, like, right, right is a good because he'll walk into something. He, he'll take some to give some, not realizing that, yeah, it's not the fight for that. Yes. It's, so, it's a good I, fight for Ryan. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Ryan does. It seems like the winner would be set up to go against Devin Haney, which would be a crazy matchup. And then there's, like, this de facto, like, bracket going on. So, like, you have Haney waiting there, so he'll take a busy fight, but then he'll probably get the winner of Garcia and Campbell, which is fairly easy to make. And then on the other end, It'll take some more maneuvering, but the winner of Loma and Teofimo should be in line to fight Javante Davis to make an undisputed champion. That'd be nice. <laughs> so, Javante would have to, you know, handle business in his fight in October. But these two should be, what, a week apart? It's not bad. It's not, it lines up for a reason. I think they've done business before. Tank would be an established, not established, but I mean, he'd be a pay-per-view guy at that point, allowing Loma or uh, Teofimo to then go and have another uh, pay-per-view fight. I think it makes dollars, it makes sense, as long as, you know, there's a lax in the Rona, and Rona decides to chill out for a second, and we can have people in the building. But I, I think that's, it's really branching, and then the winners of all that fight each other. So I, I like the way that 135 is shaping up. To me, it's my favorite division uh, in boxing. So I, I'm very excited for these matchups, and I feel like they can actually happen at those lighter weight classes. Um, speaking of the lighter weight classes, and we'll hop back into current events in a second, something I want to touch on. So I did this post the other day on, uh, on Ringside, obviously, where I work. So I did this post on Ringside, and... It was interesting. I was like, yo, I, I want to ask the old man this. But I waited. I didn't actually do that day. I waited specifically for this show. So I made a post, a video post. It was cool. I cut shit together. Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, if they would have fought at junior lightweight, 130 pounds, who wins that fight? Floyd. Floyd right. wins it anyway, class. You'd be surprised. I Half of our post, I swear it was probably like 55, 45. But I agree, Floyd wins at any weight class. I think he knocks Manny out at 130. He might. He might because he sat on his punches a little bit more. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that because this, you know, 35, Floyd's hands weren't a mess yet. Or 30. But his hands weren't just terrible yet. No, he was smacking people. Yeah, like he, I think he beat Lovemore and Dow and he hit him with like seven straight right hands in a row. It was like he was chopping down a tree. And they all came rapid fire. So... Yeah, I, th- he's one of the best of all time in that weight class. He might be the best. Uh, it's there's him Steve and, Kim from ESPN said he's the greatest 130 pound fighter ever. It's probably right because we know 135. We know who that belongs to. Yeah. So that's okay. Cool. That's easy. No one's gonna mess with hands of stone at 135. No, we get it. Greatest lightweight ever. But at 130, it gets interesting because a lot of people are 130 pound fighters. For Floyd to be the best, that's that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's no doubt about it. Floyd is one of the greatest fighters of all time. And at a lower weight class, he was he hit harder and 
because he, he's small. Like he's he's been beating guys at 147 for the past I don't know seven eight years before he retired. I think he just kind of stayed at 47. Yeah. But when I say he stayed at 47, in between fights he never got bigger than 60. I don't think he even touched 60. He wow. might have when he went to jail. I know he touched 60. That's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, we're looking at a guy who is always in shape and has always been undersized against his opponents, with the exception of probably Juan Manuel Marquez, when Marquez moved up to fight him, and Manny Pacquiao. Other than that, like Oscar was bigger than him. When he fought Gotti, Gotti was bigger than him. Shane was bigger than him. Canelo was definitely bigger than him. And yeah. he, you know, even Cotto was bigger than him. But you put him at 30? I don't think anybody's beating him. I think he's the greatest 30-pounder of all time. The only argument would be people saying he lost to Castillo at 130. He lost a, I mean, you could say that, but he didn't, and he got a torn rotator cuff. I guess that was 135. That was yeah. like his first fight moving up. Yeah, so I don't I don't give a shit about Like, he won a fight with a torn rotator cuff. He, he won that shit one-handed, and then he won it pretty handily in the rematch. Dude, yeah. At 30, Floyd's like... Beat the oh, hell out of Corrales. Dude. That was the fight. That was the last time in my life I ever picked Floyd Mayweather to lose. I've never picked him to lose. Until that fight, I thought he was going to lose. Because Corrales was a monster at 30. He's pounding on people. He was tall, yep. long, had excessive power, and just looked like a world beater. And Floyd was small. Um, and, you know, if you looked at the Castillo fight, you're like, ah, you could probably get hit. No. Floyd went out there and beat the shit out of Diego Corrales. <laughs> His dad stopping it is still crazy. Dude. Because Corrales would have went out on his shield. Oh, yeah. That's how Corrales fought. Like, after that, it probably almost was the best thing that happened to Diego Corrales. Rest in peace. Because if he didn't lose to Floyd, we would have never got that fight with Castillo. And that fight with Castillo would have never went the way it did. Because somebody would have stopped the fight. That's true. I don't think his dad was stopping anything after that. No. After that, he's like, well, fuck it. My dad, my kid. Fuck, yeah, as pissed as he was, yeah, he's like, yo, I'm not. No, we're just gonna have to figure out how this goes. And for the record, this has nothing to do with nothing. Uh, Corrales Castillo is like still my favorite fighter of all time, and I I love like Hagler and Hearns. I love like Ali Frazier, dude. I watched Corrales Castillo live. I remember. Like, run, like I yelled and was running up and down the stairs watching that fight because I just Hardly it was the greatest round, greatest fight, dude. Watch uh, the whole the fight never lets up. It ne- there, there is not a single minute in that round where nothing happens. Not a single minute. That is art to yes. me. One of the greatest fights of all time. No, it's up there, definitely. And I my, mean, I just watched it not too long ago. I gotta remember. You know what? No, maybe I gotta watch it more because I went. I watched the rematch. Yeah, rematch. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I watched the rematch maybe like two months ago. I know I watched the other one when it was on this day, but I really got to go back and watch it. It's definitely top five. There's been some shit, though. That dude. That dude. Because, like, Hagler Hearns was. Gotti Ward was something. Oh, I love Gotti Ward. Gotti Ward was something. And you could pick any one of them. Any one of the Gotti Ward fights. 
Yeah, I think it might have been the first one for me. I don't it was the first or second, but yo, that was something. And I watched all three of those live. I remember exactly where I was at. I was at my mom's house. I was laying in my bed, and I was like, oh, I'm going to turn on this Gotti Ward fight. And then after like two rounds, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because it just didn't <laughs> stop. They never stopped. Like, at all. Ward hit Gotti in the body. Gotti doubled over, and I was like, oh, it's over. Nope. Gotti rose from the ashes. After eating, I believe it was like a four-punch combination, it just went to work. That fight was stupid crazy good and what floyd did to Gotti was exceptional well what floyd did to Gotti was a massacre that should have been he should have <laughs> went to jail for that because that was domestic abuse that was rough yo floyd that just shows how good floyd is because he's taking people out who have wars he, yeah. all-time classic wars and taking them out but like he's like the thing about the floyd Gotti fight floyd was moving up in weight so i i, I never forget things like this floyd was moving yeah. up in weight now remember i was working at hip-hop site and a couple of my boys like, well, Gotti's too big for Floyd. And I remember Floyd did an interview, and he seemed like he was getting pissed off with everybody saying that. And he was just like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. Like, the way that Floyd was talking yeah. was, was the way that we never really heard him talk. Like, he was saying. I was on SportsCenter. Yeah, like, he just didn't give a fuck. And when that fight yeah. happened, like, the look in his face, I was like, oh, he's going to kill Arturo Gotti. He's going to kill yeah. him. Uh, I posted that interview not too long ago. I think it was Floyd Lampley. Which um, which it was one? Floyd? It was on before the Gotti fight. Um, it was Floyd on Sports Center. Floyd, someone else Sports Center. I mean, the famous the one fight. is the Brian Kenny one, but that was after the Gotti fight. No, there was one pre Gotti. I feel like maybe him and Kenny have two, or he did an interview with someone else. I posted it because I remember cutting it and saying, this is the craziest shit. And Floyd's trash talking was immaculate. Yeah, like Floyd just didn't give a shit. And he uh, he went out there and beat the brakes off Arturo Gotti. I mean, like Arturo could do nothing, nothing, but get hit. That was it. It's like you're going to come into this round, and there's no use in putting your hands up because you can't stop where these punches are going to come from. Floyd was masterful at 130. And, and beyond, but 130, there's no way Manny Pacquiao was beating him. I couldn't see it. Not at all. Yeah, no. it's tough. It's tough. So, yeah, I want to ask you, like, damn, is he really the best at 130? It's such a long line of fighters, so that's crazy to think. But, yeah, I mean, he has to be the best somewhere. <laughs> if he's not the overall best, he was the best somewhere because we're not going to see another Floyd for a long time. No. No. Um, Shakur defensively, but I'm not sure if he's ever going to reach Floyd levels of offensive greatness. No. Because people forget how good Floyd was offense. Floyd was a defensive genius after. Like maybe 140 and on. Before then, he was as offensive as I'd argue to say he took angles like Lomachenko, maybe a notch below. Yeah, he was fast. He was that good offensive. He didn't, like, what Floyd didn't really have to do until, like, the Castillo fight was rely on his defense because his hands were, were great, he was fast, and he was athletic. I remember arguing about him and, and Roy, and I was like, Roy's going to have a problem because one day he's going to wake up and get old, and those reflexes that he relies on won't be there anymore. But Floyd has yep. always been fundamentally sound, no matter what, straight up and down fundamentals. But he can do everything else. So when everything else goes out the window, and let's just say he's fighting somebody who takes away the lead right hand, the straight right that he, that he uses as a tracker, let's yep. just say he takes that away. Floyd can just go back to what he knows, which is like straight boxing and doesn't have to disrespect you with a straight right hand because it is the most disrespect, 
disrespectful punch in boxing. But it, once you take that away, he can just box your ears off. Just, just straight up boxing. Roy was so good, but the problem with Roy was, like I said, he just did everything wrong. Like those are things you don't teach kids to do when they fight. Pulling your head yep. back, going straight back. Like keeping, like he would keep his head on a square sometimes because he would like the illusion of it being hittable. But he would move and shift his feet and crack you with the right hand at a strange angle. But you can't teach that shit. So when Roy got touched, Roy didn't know what to do because those, like he never really relied on the fundamentals. He was just that damn good. Floyd, Floyd is exceptional. Exceptional. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, rolling over to Roy Jones Jr., perfect segue. Him and Tyson gets pushed back until November 27th. They said holiday weekend, uh, whatever, Thanksgiving. So they're like, okay, it's going to heighten by. So bring more hype. More people will be able to watch it. Fingers crossed that they are right. <laughs> <laughs> One last chance. You feel like dropping the bet. No. Give me three. No. Give me three. No. No. Absolutely not. No. Th- three mil. No. Three mil is astronomical. That's your fault. No. You know what? Like, if you go buy a house right now. You're not sportsman-like. And, no. If you go buy a house right now, and the house, you buy it, and you was like, this house is great. It might go for a half a million dollars, and the house is really worth four hundred thousand. And you pay a half a million dollars. You can't go back and be like, "Yo, hey, just give me a break." No, you bet this. Your ego put this on the line, and now you're stuck with it. So no, I'm not giving you no. It doesn't do three million, but I'm not giving you that out. <laughs> you're scared of the three million. No, I'm not scared right. of the three million. I like listening to you lose a four million bet. It sounds better. Sounds better? It sounds better. It just sounds like, more ridiculous. It's like handshake deal where yeah. it just never goes away? No, it never goes away. It's like four. Like if I say three million, there's going to be a few people that go, eh, me, if this. But if I say four million, if I say Pacquiao McGregor, I mean Mayweather McGregor numbers, yo, people just laugh. Handshake deal. Yeah, it's your Moxley handshake deal. To be fair, certain people agreed with the handshake deal. But nonetheless, it was... Ended up being a poor bet. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite poor. This one is not looking like the greatest. But I will remain optimistic because that is what I do. I was just checking. Just checking if you want to flip that. Uh, We have great boxing this weekend. Just a couple things to touch on. Carl Frampton is coming back uh, to kick off the day on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. No, ESPN. So Frampton is on ESPN+. Pretty much, he wins. He locks up a title fight against Jamel Herring with Shakur Stevenson waiting in the wings. I'm interested to see how Frampton looks at 130. And and this fight, obviously, won't give that. If you guys don't know, change of opponent late. He's fighting at 135. But I just want to see how he looks bigger. Yeah. And to see what he kind of has left. Talking about a guy who he is, you know, he's what you see, right? No, no bells or whistles. To me, that's Frampton. Yeah, I mean, Frampton's pretty good, man. But, uh, you know, the Leo Santa Cruz lost, and he came back, and he won. Well, no, he, he won, he won then and then he lost. Yeah. And then from there, you know, he beat Nonito Donaire, which is interesting because Nonito Donaire's had this really interesting career because he was like a murderer at one point. And then he ran yeah. into uh, – who was the first person that beat him? Is that when he went up in weight? Every time he tries to jump up in weight, he ends up losing. I can't even think right now. Because everything changed. The Rigandow fight really fucked him up. Um, 
And that's the one I'm actually thinking about because it just wasn't the same. But then he fought Inouye and had a hell of a fight. And you're like, well, what the hell? Well, he was lighter. Yeah. But, I mean, it was Inouye's a murderer. And it was like everybody thought he was going to get killed. And he just had a hell of a fight. Still lost. But Frampton, he got schooled by Josh Warrington. Like, Frampton got schooled by Josh Warrington. And he's had one fight since then. Um, And now it's like, well, he's still pretty good. The Jackals, he's still pretty good. I don't think he's in that upper class yet right now anymore. He's former world champion, but that division's kind of passed him by. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see how he looks this weekend. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he's like a real threat, more so than a um, a Derek Brunson type when we get to UFC. Like, I feel like he's like the epitome of a gatekeeper right now. He could be a world champion, though. I think he has a better chance of being a world champion than Brunson. But I think the, the crop of talent in this division is just too young, too fast, too skilled, and they'll all give him problems. I agree. Um, but again, it's when you fit into the division. Right. So if those young kids don't catch you yet, you get in, get out, be a world champion, and that shit looks great. Uh, it's the Adrian Broner method. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get into the division, perfect timing, snatch a belt, bounce. Like, yo, listen, four division... Four division champion, as uh, our boy Glasses Malone loves to remind Jesus us of. Christ. Yeah, he does. So, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Uh, we have Mick Conlon also on that card. The co-main dropping to one twenty-two. It's weird because Shakur bounced, right? So that was kind of the the hindrance there. It's like okay, him and Shakur were the two big signings. I believe at the same time, um, Conlon wasn't as you know accomplished. And Shakur, Shakur got risen through the ranks, won his belt. And then Conlon, with Shakur moving up, was like, oh, it's easy. Boom, you're right there. Take the 126-pound title. Problem is, uh, Navarrete moved up. Yeah. And it's looking like, yeah, Conlon might be like, yo, I don't want that smoke. So, Navarrete vacated his belt at 122. Coincidentally, Conlon's like, ah, you know what? That belt looks pretty nice to me. <laughs> so... He's dropping down to 122, getting his feet wet, and it wouldn't be shocking to see him get a shot at that belt sooner rather than later. The problem is, what happens if a guy like NY then decides to go to 122? I mean, even if even with that, I don't think McConnell is that good, to be clear. And if you look at that division, guys like Brandon Figueroa, guys like uh, Ray Vargas, Daniel Roman, even Angelo Leo, who just won like two weeks ago, They'll yep. all give him problems. I'm not a believer uh, him in McConnell. Him and Leo would be a good fight. It would. Um, Conley gets hit a lot. Conley gets hit a lot. He's not like a knockout artist. So you, you, chances are you'll probably go the distance with him. Um, you have Atmadliev, who beat Daniel Roman. And that guy, I don't think Conley's going to beat him. Uh, Stephen Fulton, when Stephen Fulton comes back, that guy's oh, a Stephen problem. Stephen Fulton. I like Stephen Fulton. Yeah, like, I just think like Conley is... The beneficiary of having this country behind him, and he's he's good, but he's not great. And I think you got to play play this slow with him because maybe he can find like a, a stride where he gets really good. But looking at him, I just can't see him being the elite of a, a one twenty two pound division. Like if he gets a title shot, I think he's getting whooped. You better you better do it for the vacated belt. Yeah, it's easier to win a vacated title because when you start doing mandatories or. You know, having to fight champion versus champion, shit gets a little tricky. And um, again, this division is 
stacked with pretty good brawlers that will go balls to the wall against him. That's fair, but Navarrete ain't lose for, what, four or five years? Yeah. Like, he, it was like ten title defenses, so it could be done. It, it could be. I just don't, like, even if he fought for a vacant title, I who is he going to fight? That that's where it becomes tricky. Cause, <laughs> yeah, that's what. You, it has to be perfect. It has to. But again, you know, I keep saying Shakur Stevenson fighting his at that time brother-in-law was like perfect. Yeah, like Connolly's just he's a he's a good fighter, not a great fighter, and he's he is waiting to be exposed. Unless he takes another leap in his pro career, he's he's a fighter who's waiting to be exposed. Yeah, I'm not sure if he can do that training in in Ireland like he is. Nah. Like he, he's a guy, much like, oddly enough, like when you look at Ryan Garcia, there's like this, okay, you're in this group. And then for a second, I was like, he's okay, but he's not like the other guys in this group. He's not Teofimo. He's not Devin Haney. He's not Javante. But then he moved camps. Yeah. And it wasn't just his dad training him. Then he goes to like Team Canelo and everything. And he took five jumps. From being with Reynoso. Yeah. So it's possible. But Conley has to then want to make those jumps. Um, I forgot Tyson Fury's old trainer, but I think he would benefit if he trained with him. Who, Ben Davison? Ben Davison. Yeah. I mean... So, anyway. it's not too far. Yeah. Go down to England. Train with the guy. Um, talking about... And then we have DeZone coming up as well on Saturday, more towards the night. And we have Madrimov on that card. Oh, Israel okay. Madrimov. I like Who left home to seek training. Yes. Gets a great camp behind him. Good crew. And you see that talent take another jump. And he's he's a whole different beast. Dude. It, I don't know if he's... Calling him a big Lomachenko is lofty. But, but you can see it could the, be a very small Usyk. Well, I think you can see the comparisons because Majimal's footwork. Yeah, like so, it's like Usyk, like a smaller Usyk. Yeah, like that man Majimal cuts angles and he hits like a truck, and he's only had a few fights like Lomachenko, but yep. he looks amazing. And I, th- the sky's the limit for Majimal, and Majimal's not even the main event. But no. I advise everybody that if you're watching the zone this weekend, it's it's going to be tough because I'm not telling anybody to not watch the UFC card this weekend. But if you got two screens, utilize them. If you got three, watch everything. Jesus Christ! How'd I know that was coming? <laughs> Swag. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the humility was safe. I used all the humility to open the show. Now it's done. That's it. That's right. We're back. All Wait right. till I get four. It's over with. See, I got my three screens, but they're not set up like yours. They're like laptops and my office desk screen. But I highly advise people to watch both of those shows. I'll also plug myself because by the time a lot of you listen to this, it'll be close to happening. Uh, if you watch the, the Zone card this weekend, uh, you'll see something that's very near and dear to me. I'll just say that. And when you see it, you'll know it and you can tweet at me. It's like, oh, that's what he's talking about. I can't tell you what it is yet. But it's very it's something that's very important to me that's gonna be in that Tulsa card. But the the zone card, it's a good card. And the main event, uh Cecilia Brekus and Jessica McCaskill, which is kind of like a makeshift tournament to determine the number one women's pound for pound fighter in the world. The winner of that is supposed to fight the winner of the Katie Teller Delphine Persoon rematch that's on August twenty second. Um yep. Amanda Serrano, obviously, for those who don't know, 
They couldn't come to terms with the deal. And then there's always Clarissa Shields, who kind of is feeling like the outsider now. because She's the number one women's fighter in the world. She is. And I don't understand how you do this and not have her included. Well, because it's not as easy to make, right? Like, Breakus is a fighter who is 36-0. If she yep. wins this fight, she breaks Joe Lewis's record for most title defenses ever, which is insane to even think about. But she's... She came from Norway, and then they banned boxing in Norway, and then she had to fight like all these like holes in the wall across the globe, and then she got a big audience, but she wasn't familiar with American audiences, and she's like got this tremendous record, as and she's her and Clarissa are probably the two best fighters in the world right now, and yep. they kind of want to fight each other, but they got to get through this little tournament first. The thing with Clarissa is, I think Clarissa's just bigger than all of them. Like she's yeah, she she's not cutting down on one foot. No, she's let's just be clear. She's just big and she's big and strong, and I like to see her fight Cecilia Breakus. For the record, I love Jessica McCaskill. I think she's really good, but she's not beating Cecilia Breakus. Uh, McCaskill lost pretty handily to Katie Taylor about two years ago. Uh, she still has a job as a part-time banker too. Well, yeah, she's an investment banker. So anybody who still has a job, and yes, I'm even including Steve Miocic in this. It's kind of hard to be the best in the world. I don't know how Steve Bay does it. I give I him a ton know. of credit for that. He looks like half of himself right now, though. I don't know what. We'll talk about it in a second, but this is the thinnest I've ever seen him. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. I can't figure it out. Me either. But, yeah, like, Cecilia, to me, record, everything is great. Go up to 154. Dare to be great. There's no other fight, I think, right now that can shatter that barrier of, what we've been talking about for weeks now women should have equal rounds equal time limits all that stuff those two have proven that they can handle it yeah that's a fight that can be 12 rounds three minute rounds yeah i think the smart thing to do right now because they, they do have this tournament it makes sense if rakus wins and katie taylor wins that's a huge yep. women's fight huge yep. do katie's no pushover no even though i thought she lost the uh, Original, she finals. lost pursuit. I thought she lost pursuit as well, so she's got to make yeah. good on this. But if she beats Delphine Pursuit and Katie Taylor, Cecilia Breakers for the whatever, if it's not the winner, doesn't fight Clarissa Shields, then it'd probably be Amanda Serrano. But one way or another, we got to get to the winner fighting Clarissa Shields. We have to determine who's the best, best woman in the world is within the next 24 months. We have to, yeah, we can't wait. I mean, Serrano's time. crazy, Serrano. Arguably, she shouldn't. Would go up to 154 if she cleans out everyone else. Dude, she fights everybody. Uh, I love Amanda Serrano I mean, for she, that. What is she, like a seven-division champion? Yeah, she just rampages so, through divisions. Yeah, something ridiculous. Uh, so Serrano's not going to be a pushover either. I, I think Serrano beats Katie Taylor. She might. Katie's pretty so, good. but Katie's pretty good. Serrano, and I'm not just saying this because we're both Puerto Rican. <laughs> and I have to root for all Puerto Ricans by nature. But... She's the real deal too. Yeah. So that that'll be interesting. We'll we'll see. This is great for women's boxing. I can't remember a time where it was this good. It's a lot of intrigue. Yeah, it's it's stacked top to bottom. Um, plenty plenty of good fights. So I can't wait to see how it all shakes out. And then we have on Showtime David Benavides. Yeah. Returning. Uh, Otto Valin is returning on that card as well. You know, after getting cut by Fury, and then I think he, or he cut Fury, almost won that fight, you know, by stoppage, but didn't, and then caught the Rona, so he's kind of just been, you know, waiting to come back, but he got a lot of hype off of that Fury fight. It's interesting to see what he can do as well. 
Yeah, I mean, he's fighting Travis Coffin. Coffin's not really that good, so it should be a showcase fight for Velin. Um And he kind of needs it because if you come off that Fury fight, you don't want people to forget about you, so make some noise. And this is kind of the perfect card to make some noise on because although it's in a highly competitive night, and I think it's probably the lowest of the three cards in terms of entry because nobody thinks Angulo is going to touch Benavidez. Benavidez is going to beat the shit out of Angulo. And that's not True. Alfred Angulo. This is Romer. Um, <laughs> Where is El Pedro? Uh, he's supposed to be fighting soon. Actually, okay. he's. A, I think he might be in a title eliminator because he... Oh, shit. I don't want to do it right now because I can't remember who he knocked off. Uh, Peter Quillen. And he could be close to a title eliminator. Oh, he did beat Quillen. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with Quillen. Uh, but yeah, Angulo. Okay, yeah. second breath for Angulo. Cool. So, but going back to Benavidez, like, I'm going to watch it on my third screen. The volume won't be up because I just really like watching David Benavidez fight. If you haven't ever watched him fight, this would be the time to watch. Because, yeah, he beat Jaleon Love. He beat the shit out of Jaleon Love. Um, but he was on the undercard. Now he's a main event. And I know he has something to prove because he wants to beat up Caleb Plant. So you can't go out there and play games. He's going to beat the shit out of Angulo. And he's probably going to land one of them 7-8 punch combinations that are ridiculous for a kid his age. Again, he's 22-23. That's ridiculous. Yep. Savage yeah, power, too. We've talked about his hiatus before. Yep. But, yep. Uh, no, I think he, he has talent. I'm not as high on him as you are. Per se, but I, I think he's really good. Not to say he can't get better, but I, I think if he was to fight Caleb Plant in the next year, he loses. I don't know. I think Caleb's better. I think it's a toss up. I think it's a toss up because that's that's a very good compliment to a twenty two year old. Yes, saying it's a toss up. I say it's a toss up because as much as I like Caleb Plant, I've always spoken really highly of him on this show as well. As much as I like him, I haven't seen him really get punched in the face. And I think Benavidez, because, again, the kid throws seven eight-punch combinations effortlessly with the same bad intentions in every single punch. That's hard to get out of the way of. Three? Yeah, sure. Five? That's tough. Seven or eight? Yeah. You're not throwing seven or eight against elite competition. When you can't get seven or eight off, that's what I want to see. I'm curious because the way he puts his punches together, body, head, he mixes it up. It's a tough fight for Caleb. Caleb's just yeah. really good defensively. He's got a sharp jab, and he's sitting on his punches a little more, too. Benavidez also has a hell of a chin. People forget, Benavidez used to walk around like 240 pounds. He was a fat kid. And he, just because I talk highly of him, he's, when he was coming up, when he was 15, do you know who he sparred with? You should know. Work at ringside. Ooh. Gennady Golovkin. Really? Gennady told me about him. Before I knew who he was. Because I asked, I remember going to Big Bear and to do a piece on Gennady. And I was like, and I asked Abel Sanchez, I was like, who's the toughest person in camp that Gennady's got to deal with? And he was like, it's not a man, it's a boy. And it was David Benavidez. <laughs> and I asked Gennady, That's and Gennady wild. gave me that look. It's like, whew, I kick and punch hard. And he took a lot, and Gennady was like, I couldn't put him down. 15. 15. Yeah, that's wild. So... Yeah, he's he's dealt with some adversity. That's a hell of a fight. That's a him and Caleb will be a hell of a, hell of a fight. fight. Yeah, it, I can't wait to see it. That's a fight I think gets made. But again, throwing seven, eight punch combinations at that size—that's tough. Listen, I just saw fucking Bitter B have tried that. Yeah. In his last fight, and that was killer be killed. Yeah. I was like watching through my fingers, like, yo, are they not adjusting <laughs> their style? Like you, arguably, are the two best. At this weight class, like, 
are you wilding? And Bitter B have just outlasted him. But that shit was a, just a war. Yeah. So, looking at Super Middleweight, it's like, yo, those are the same style of fights now. And to be fair, either of them could move up and, and fight at 175 if they wanted to and have another hellacious war. But we're not there yet. But at 168, it's just... They have to start knocking each other off because sooner or later someone needs to get Canelo. Oh, yeah. That's got to be the end game. Same to the it rainbow. Is. So, yeah. So, I think for that case, Benavidez is probably best in line for that. Yeah. But we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year. Plenty of great matchups in boxing. Let's take a break because we still have to talk about UFC. And the last fight for Daniel Cormier? Question mark. We'll be right back. You guys stay tuned. Before we keep going with the show, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CORNER or DealDash.FM CORNER. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash CORNER. We are back talking UFC 252. Actually, wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me rewind. What the hell am I thinking? Paige Van Zant has left the UFC, and she has signed with Bare Knuckle Fighting. Trey, make this make sense. Duh, duh. Oh, no. Multi-million dollar deal? I need them to prove it. <laughs> I, I just don't see BKFC having that kind of money. I don't believe you. You need more people. Yeah, dude. Multi-million dollars for Paige Van Zant. And here's the mistake behind that is this. What if she just gets washed in her first fight? What's what's? Why would you give her multi-million dollars? Oh, you got to give her a cupcake. And I, I don't know is if there there's a cupcake? cupcakes and bare-knuckle fights. That's what I'm saying. But you, I'm punching you, you have to fist. give her. You have to give her the closest thing to a cupcake. And then maybe you give her like a Beck Rollins. Because yeah, that's the fight everyone want to wanna see. Oh, yeah. You can't jump straight in there with Beck. Plus, you look at. Paige and she has so many surgeries on her forearm already and you're looking like you're gonna go bare knuckle really I don't dude I don't understand this at all like everybody said the Bellator was the move and that's what we all thought and it's it ended up not being the move but if that wasn't gonna be the move bare knuckle fighting the last time if I remember correctly the Paige Van Zandt knocked somebody out was with a switch kick yep um PFL probably would have been best move but they suspended the season yeah because you can still get a milli a year. This is going to be tough. I don't think she ever gets to three fights in bare knuckle no, fight. No, man. It's bare knuckle fight. Like, if anybody watched, like, Lobev and Malnaji and Lobev and Jason Knight and some, like That one was crazy. Like, if you watch those fights, Crazy Horse fought in bare knuckle. Like, if you watch these fights, these people's faces don't come back the same. And I'm not saying that Paige 100% uses her looks to get for her marketability. 
Because the fact she's doing bare knuckles says that she doesn't really care about it that much. Uh, her Instagram earnings would say differently. Her Instagram earnings, absolutely. But I feel like she's not trying to be that kind of girl. Like, that's why she's doing bare knuckle. But if you're doing bare knuckle, your face is going to get fucked up. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even if you win, Indeed. you lost. Not enough Vaseline in this world. No, I ain't no way them knuckles are sliding off nobody's face. They, they, you're going to get hit like knuckles, man. Knuckles. <laughs> knuckles. You got to give her someone with tiny knuckles. I just, I, dude, I don't understand... Why her boyfriend, husband, what are they? They married? I don't know. I don't I don't know. They just be posting like freaky dicky butt ass naked pictures on Instagram together. Yeah, it's like but no man, this is this ain't it. This ain't the movement. I do not believe that there's a multi million dollar deal. I believe it's one of those remember when like the UFC when you win the ultimate fighter, they'd be like six figure contract, but it's like a six figure contract over like five years. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when you're fighting for petty. Yeah, so I think it's like that. I could be wrong. And I say this also full transparency, like the zone just signed bare knuckle fighting. So now we're gonna have BKFC on the zone as well. So Oh shit. Well yeah. I mean Okay, then I'm more inclined. I'm more inclined to believe it, because you guys have deeper pockets than Yeah, that. but I don't think they paid that much money for it. I'll be honest. I, I think it's more licensing and broadcast stuff. I don't think they just like yeah. dropped them a bag. No they gotta go to you guys and be like, yo, listen, don't drop us the bag. But y'all gotta pay half of this chick's salary. Yeah. Like, y'all, y'all, let, it, we can offer her maybe a mil for three fights. That's three hundred and thirty. Can you guys drop an extra hundred thou on this? Like, <laughs> is that is that too much to ask? She'll bring in the subs. Drop, drop a hundred thou on. Cause if she gets five hundred thou a fight, say it's three fights, one point five mil, right? Multi million dollars. Ain't cool. no way she get a half a million dollars for a fight. No way. It's a multi-million dollar deal. No, it's reported. It's a multi-thousand dollar deal. Again, if she gets 300, 400,000 a fight, I think that's better than anything she could have ever hoped for in the UFC. That's her entire UFC career. That's true. And that's why I can't see them ever paying her more than what the UFC paid her. She just got to get through one. No, they're definitely paying her. If she's making less than 300,000 for the first fight, it's a shit. I believe she's making more than that. Mm-hmm. To get hit in the face, bare knuckle, she's making more. That's ridiculous. And for Beck Rollins, who's been just licking her chops. She can't wait. Oh, to get in there like second, third fight against Beck, oh, no, it's over. She's taking her face off. Beck throws hands. Pace those kicks. Yeah. No, Beck, Beck is putting her face in the third row of the funny-looking ring they have. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be ugly. Ugly. I need fans for that. I might go to that. Listen, if we're past Rona, I'll go to that. That's something I would see. Um, this weekend, though, no fans. But back in Vegas, you passed on going, surprisingly, because it could be DC's last fight. But UFC 252 from the bubble in Vegas or from the Performance Center or whatever the hell it is. So we have, we know the main event, Cormier. Versus Miocic, but I want to touch on the card. Pretty good card. And prelims, we don't have to pick these. But Ashley Yoda's on here. She could get cut if she doesn't win. Uh, Felice Herrig, who's not going to get cut, but is in a tough fight. Um, Jim Miller is headlining the prelims. It's a pretty good card. Yeah, no, it's solid. And a lot of this came together like the past week because all they had was the main card for like a month. Yeah, so they just, I feel like they just told people, listen, you'll be fighting in Vegas. We don't know when. Yep, pretty much. Stay ready. 
Um, but when we get to the main card, good fight. So we have John Dodson kicking it off. And don't have me butcher this man's name. I just call him Marab. But give me the last name. Velishvili. Velishvili. Yes. I like it. Um, Dodson versus Velishvili. I clearly don't know much about this man. Give me John Dodson. I mean, John Dodson. John Dodson, he's 5'2"? Look, we'll, you know, in the middle of this, we're going to go back and talk about Derek Lewis real quick. And we're going to talk about Chris Weidman. Oh, yes, yes, yes. we got to do that. But Dodson has one, has had, uh, I don't want to say like a fall from grace because Weidman's had like the ridiculous fall from grace and he's lucky he won. But Dodson was just competing for a world title not too long ago. And since then, he just can't, I mean, he's he beat Nathaniel Wood, but he's not beating like top, well, he beat Pedro Munoz as well, but he's just not the same fighter. I mean, he lost to Jimmy Rivera and Jan. That's not that's not bad. No, it's it's not bad. Before then, he beat Eddie Wineland, lost to Marlon Marais. Like he's only lost to people who are pretty damn good. Beat Manny Gamburian, lost to John Lineker. And he's losing decisions to heavy hitters and not getting knocked out. No. That's pretty good. He doesn't get stopped. John Dodson has a good chin. The problem with John Dodson is when you watch him fight, he's one of those guys that you feel like let the hands go. Move a little, like yeah. like he feel, like he's got power, he's got speed, but ever since those Demetrius Johnson fights, he's like tried to pace himself different, and it gives mm-hmm. guys like John Lineker who were like slow plotting hard punching fighters, they shouldn't be winning rounds against Dotson. They shouldn't. Dotson's also got great wrestling. Yeah, I, but he just doesn't throw. Yeah, enough he doesn't throw enough. That's to move up in weight as well, because he moved up in weight after yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean still. Let your hands go, man. You got power. You can hurt these guys. Yeah. You can't let Lineker beat you. He should move down in weight. I don't know if he can anymore. Because he's a pretty thick dude. I don't know if he can. (laughs) Yeah, and he's getting older. He's pretty thick dude. But if anyone could try, it's him. I'm talking about moving down on weight. Looks like we have our next 125-pound title fight. Figueredo is going against no love, Cody Garber. I think we talked uh, yeah. about this and called it like two weeks ago. On I this show. don't like this fight for Cody. I get it. I think if Figueroa beats him, what does that do for Cody? Nothing. But I mean, if that's the case, what were you going to do staying up in weight? You know, like, this is what I want. I want him to fight Sean O'Malley. Oh, that fight is still on the table. It's not like this loss would cancel a fight with O'Malley because you're printing money. Well, I think the only problem with Cody is like, let's just say Cody fights Figueredo and wins. Does he stay? And that kind of messes up plans a little bit. It's weird. He stays until he's guaranteed a champ versus champ fight, which might be immediate. It'd have to be. Dana likes Cody. Yeah. It has to be immediate. They can't wait. I don't know how... Cody says he can easily make this weight. I believe it when I see it. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I just will believe it when I see it. Because you stood next to Cody. He's not a small guy. It doesn't look like he'd shave off too much weight. Yeah, not at all. So Not at all. I'm curious, man. Like, if he fights Figueroa and wins, uh, how long does he hang on that title? If Figueroa just washes him, I, I, this is, it's weird because the flyweight division is still, like, they're not looking for contenders inside of the division. They're looking at bantamweights moving down. Yep. And it's kill or be killed. Yeah. So that it'll be interesting. But Cody adding another title can never hurt. It adds a lot to the bankroll. Yeah. Cody's best move to go down if he wins, stay down. Because the competition is drastically worse. 
Yep. So going back up to 135 and risking a loss for what? I will be king down here. So that's what I, I think of Cody. Dodson, uh, are you picking him to win or to I'm lose? I'm picking Dodson to win. I think he's just Good. this is do or die for him in a sense. He's got to win this fight. Same page. And then uh, Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. Give me Herbert Burns, obviously. Um, a fight which I don't know why it's on the main card. But whatever. I'm going to take Pineda, actually. Really? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Pineda was in the PFL. He's a nice little ring streak, so he tested positive. So, yeah. we'll see. Why not? Um, a heavyweight matchup for a JDS versus Rosenstruck. Oh, God. Before we get into that, now we can talk about the Black Beast. Yeah, man. The Savelt. I got to take a shit. Derek Lewis. He looked good, though. He did. I, I wondered. I was like, why are you going to the ground? I thought... And, you know, he ended up being in, like, some weird headlock bulldog choke. And I was like, this is too close for comfort. Then he gets up and ends the fight in, like, the first 15 seconds of the second round. So I was like, oh, I guess what the fuck did I know? But I think he could have ended it earlier in the first if he would have just stood up and backed up. Well, I think uh, I think in the first round, Derek Lewis forgot who he was. <laughs> I th- uh, seriously, I think he fought that fight. was like, I should try this, and I should, no, fight like Derek Lewis. And when Derek Lewis fights like Derek Lewis, it's pretty damn hard to beat. Even though the ground pound is great, but the only way you can lose that fi- fight is being submitted on the ground. Yes. So I would never go. Like, Cormier was like, I ain't dealing with that shit. And choked him out. So Derek Lewis, if he stands and bangs, like Francis Ngannou didn't want to throw hands with Derek Lewis. Yep. He, beats, he the could beat almost anybody. Ugliest Francis fight ever. Ever. And since then, he's that- a murderer again. So. Yep. Just tells you. He wasn't about that life. Not at all. So... Derek Lewis is, he's a problem. He's a problem. Now let's talk about, dude, this Dos Santos-Rosenstruck fight, I'm really looking forward to this. Really? Yes. I feel like Dos Santos is over the hill. Have you seen Dos Santos and his weird, like, uh, James Bond villain Yo. mustache? Yeah, but you see how fucking yoked he is? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like, what is going that, on here? It's not good for me. Like, a fluid striker boxer getting yoked is a horrible hey, thing for me. I think Rosenstruck's going to win as well, but... There is a distinct possibility that whatever body transformation that JDS is doing could help him because he doesn't really have a glass jaw. Like, he got knocked out by Ngannou, but who doesn't, right? And it's 20 seconds, sir. 20 seconds. I'm saying, well, well Ngannou knocked out JDS and Rosenstruck, right? Oh, he no, he knocked out Rosenstruck in 20 seconds. Yes. yes. JDS stood a little bit longer. Yes, but what I'm saying is... So with JDS, like who else has he really lost to recently, right? Like a minute, a minute and eleven. Like he lost to Curtis Blades, right? Okay, you know why? Yes, Curtis Blades knocked put, out by Blades. But I mean, Curtis Blades wanted to put him on his back too, like this ground or pound. This yep. lot, with Rosenstruck, all you know is that he's going to kickbox, and that's going yep. to make this I mean, fight fun for as long. He as stopped he Derek Lewis. Yeah, Derek Lewis. JDS did, which was weird because Derek got like tired immediately. Like I felt like yep. he was fat in that fight. But uh, but I tied to Ivasa caught the hands, uh, Ivanov caught the hands. JDS had a nice little streak. Dude, this fight could be a hell of a lot of fun for however long it is. That's all I'm looking forward to. I'm picking Rosenstruck because I think that he's got hands of dynamite. But I don't know if the chin's gonna recover after Ngannou because that was that's <laughs> bro, woo, boy that guy buckled. That's that's a rough way to take your first loss. Give me JDS. I'm picking Rosenstruck, but I think it's, I think as long as it lasts, it's going to be a fun as hell fight. 
Yeah, somebody's getting KO'd. Definitely. That that we know right now. Um, before we go on to the co-main and the aforementioned Sean O'Malley, who has a Takashi Six Nine painting <sighs> in his living room. Lost some points with me. <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh, okay, the rainbow hair makes sense. So, before we get to him, Chris Weidman was in the co-main last week. One, and it was the ugliest win I've seen. That win was arguably as ugly as his losses. It did nothing for me. But it's going to get him fed to someone else. Unless he fights Luke Rockhold and it's the battle of the wash chins. <laughs> Dude, Weidman winning is one of those things that's like, all right, well, I guess we're going to do this a little longer then, right? Like, I guess we're going to continue to do this until somebody knocks you into retirement. And he didn't look good. He was completely gassed out in the third round. He relied on his wrestling, which he needed to do, which is one thing that's weird about Weidman. He has talked about this, and he's not even talked about it. People have seen it. World-class grappler. He just never uses it. So he needed it here to have top control and win the fight. But what do you do with him now? He can't fight like the top tier of the middleweight. He'll get killed. No, Rockhold is a good is a good one next. Because one of them is getting knocked yeah, out. Yeah, one of them is going to knock out. One of them is, is losing, go home. And it's very strong chance we can knock out a Luke Rockhold. Yeah. And it's very strong chance. Which is crazy. The same thing, Imagine me telling you that four years ago. I know. Four years ago, saying that Chris Weidman would win one fight after the Rockhold fight and barely stay into the promotion. And Luke Rockhold would be completely washed after beating Chris, dominating Chris Weidman. And would it even be... Okay, I understand. Sometimes you aren't champion for four years. That's hard. But wouldn't it be in contention to be champion again? It's crazy. Wouldn't it be a top five in that division? Absolutely crazy. I can't believe it. But yeah, it's probably the fight to make. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, why not? Fuck it. Might as well. Run it back. Sell some tickets. Why am I going five rounds right now? It would be tough, though. So that got to be a co-main. Yeah. Put that on somebody's pay-per-view. Um, and then you have the Sugar Show. First co-main. I mean, it seems, what, two summers ago? And he's done a lofty suspension. But two summers ago, we saw him at Dana White's mm-hmm. looking for... Or Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah. You know, we are eating free food from the food trucks. Chilling 112 degrees in the old UFC building. Behind the palms, sweating our ass off. They were like, who is this kid? The curly the curly fro. And his night hands was nice. And then now he's the co-main of a pay-per-view. So the Sugar Show versus Marlon Vera. It's a quick turnaround. I expect him to get the knockout. But sooner or later, he's going to run into some stiff competition. And then we really see what he's made of. Yeah, I mean, I'm picking O'Malley too because the man strikes. The, the way he disguised that hook in the last fight in the uppercut... The, his length, his reach, but Marlon Vera is a guy who doesn't win by decision. He wins by knockout or submission. Somebody's going to get stopped. Like He's lost decisions, but Vera's pretty good. And this is another good test for Sean O'Malley. If Sean O'Malley can put him away, it's another, I mean, we're getting close. We're getting close to having a new star here, but that Takashi goddamn post has got to go. <laughs> yeah, it, he reminds me a lot of a young Connor. Where it's just so fluid of striking and so patient. But when he touches you, you're out. Yeah, he's got power. It does yeah, it doesn't look like much comes behind that punch and then the lights are dim. 
I think if Marlon Vera's path to victory, if he's going to be smart, he's got to see what O'Malley's got on his back. Easier said than done. Absolutely, definitely. But I think the, the game plan here shouldn't be to stand and strike with him. Especially given that O'Malley's so long and his, the, like the reach and the way he uses his length. Nah, you got to get in close. You're not going to win this fight yeah. from a distance. He's going to pick you off. I agree. Can't wait to see it. And then in the main event, heavyweight title, Stipe versus Daniel Cormier. Cormier's last fight is what is being billed as Stipe, half a man coming into this fight, uh, been fighting on the front lines of COVID this entire time, but trading, I guess he really never takes time off from his shifts at the firehouse. They just let him train. It's wild. Um, but now we have the rubber match. And first one, Cormier got in close, knocked Stipe out, tried to do the same thing in the second fight, gassed really early, which was odd. And Stipe was able to drain the little bit of gas tank he had with those body punches, and then it was a wrap. But before then, I, I thought Cormier had the first two rounds and was looking good. So this is interesting. I don't think it's going to be a knockout like the first two was. I think it's going to go five and give me Cormier by split decision. Three rounds to two. I think it's going to be close. It's two greatest heavyweights we've seen in the UFC. Yeah, I think Cormier fought that second fight like a fool. Period. Like, fair. he went out there, didn't wrestle... Tried to knock Stipe out. And the reason he beat Stipe the first time is because he wasn't trying to knock him out. Yep. So, like, when you try to knock somebody out, like they always say, it's going to backfire. So, I'm, I'm picking Cormier to win. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit more wrestling. A lot more dirty boxing. Because the problem with Cormier is he fought at a distance. And Miocha started sinking those body shots. And it just it ruined Cormier. Yep. And Cormier got to put him back to the cage. Like, I don't, see, what I didn't understand about that fight was that... Cormier was getting hit to the body as early as the third round. And then Stipe really found it in the fourth. But as soon as you got hit to the body, why didn't you shoot for a takedown? Dirty, like, Cormier's dirty boxing is underrated. Because he was tired already. Yeah, he, so shooting from that distance is tough. I just, like, close the gap. Goddamn. Like, I don't know what Cormier was doing in that fight. And because of that the key. is the reason why I think Cormier wins. because he'll fight a smarter fight. He's super motivated. Because he got stopped. He had never lost anybody except for John Jones. So yep. I think he fights a smart fight and he wins. He might stop Stipe. I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if he chokes him out. That'd be cool. I mean, to me, DC has to fight this fight like Habib. Yeah. Like you go in there and you smother him. You know that you can stand for rounds, especially beginnings of rounds, against Stipe, right? He has to beat you with, like, a volume-style punch. He knocks Stipe out clean with one hit or quitter. Stipe had to have an accumulation against DC to stop him. So knowing that, you can stand and trade beginning of fights, but you just got to get close enough, put his back against the cage, pull him down, not shoot, because shooting takes more energy. You lean on him against the cage, dirty boxing, drag him to the ground, and just habib him. Easier said than done, but listen, you're a world-class wrestler. Yeah, and, and so get it done. More importantly, all that you're talking about is true, but it also will wear on Stipe's gas tank. So he can't sit on those punches in the fourth round. You yep. got to take the sting. The more he's on his back, the more tired he is trying to get Cormier's heavy ass yeah, off. Yeah, like you got to take the sting out of those punches. There's no reason that Stipe should have been hitting DC as hard as he was in the fourth round. No reason at all. So except he didn't have to work. It was a chess match. It was kickboxing. Yeah. So I'm picking Cormier. 
Um, I guess the question is, is this DC's last fight? I'm going to start. Yes, I think it's over. He's done. Woo, we're on two opposite sides. You think he's going to keep no, fighting? This is, yes. Why? Are you kidding me? Because there's one more paycheck. He doesn't there's want it. There's one more super What, fight. Brock Lesnar? You are lying to me. No. He's, he doesn't want it. John Jones, heavyweight title. I don't think he wants fight. it. John Jones wants to get paid. Cormier will come back for a big enough paycheck. There's still that looming, just biting at his pride presence that says, listen, you beat Stipe twice. You've proven it. You've never beat one man, and that is John Jones. Can you sleep forever? Knowing not only do you get another shot, but you get it where it benefits you the most. Not 205, not cutting anymore. He's coming up to you at heavyweight. He's never fought at heavyweight. This is your domain. Finally, everything favors you. If you can't beat him here, you're never going to beat him. But I think he believes he can beat him there. And that gives him the advantage. See, I'm not in DC's head. So I can, I can agree with your assessment of that. But what I think is the real truth here for DC, I don't think he thinks he can beat John Jones anymore. I don't think he really, like deep down inside, I don't think he wants to roll the dice with that. I think he wants to win, be champion, and retire. And bounce. Because he's got such a cushy career as a commentator. Oh, yeah. Him and Ariel's show is way better than him and Chael's, yeah, Like, dude, DC... Leaps and bounds. <laughs> so, I get it. Like, I think there's a way, like, if John Jones was calling him out and, so, you know, so on and so forth, and DC was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll come out and fight you because my ego gets in the way. But I think... Cormier, as time has passed, the, the willingness and the eagerness to fight John Jones has kind of gone away. And I think the Stipe thing, more than anything else, kind of took that away from him. Like, losing the Stipe was worse to him than losing yeah. to John, in a weird True. way. True, but then it fueled him for this fight, which I think there's only one thing that lies. He's not going to fight in Ghana. No, hell he's no. He's not going to fight a challenger. Like, he's, he's a rat. But I think the, the looming possibility of John Jones moving up to heavyweight... Cormier's domain when John has never fought at that weight. Cormier then has all this weight behind him to do to John Jones what he wants to do. I, I think it's too good to pass up. Plus the paycheck. Because as we've seen, everyone else is pretty much taking a hit. NBA games are drawing less than SmackDown on Fridays. Right? Like SmackDown beat NBA like two weeks ago. Crazy shit. The UFC hasn't fallen off at all. Some of their numbers have been better during this quarantine. So, the money's still there. Fans are no fans. Well, I think you can do it. I, I, I agree. Like this is, I'm not going to bet you on this. I'll tell you that much. Because I think there's a, there is a distinct possibility that Cormier does it. I just think that the, his willingness to fight John is gone. But I also think the money is not there for John Jones. It'll be there for D.C., I don't think it'll be there for John Jones. I think DC gets paid more in that. And that's and John Jones sure would John could stomach John that. Jones would absolutely not accept that. No, he'd lose his shit. Yeah, so it, it becomes a situation where John will position himself like the negotiations. Like if DC gets one step, is like I'll consider it. As soon as they start negotiating, and John's like I gotta get paid this, and he can only get paid that, or else I'm not fighting. DC yeah. are like, all right, I'm retiring. I'm good. Okay, I give you that. So it wouldn't be for lack of want to. It'll be logistics don't match up. He just don't like because it'll be this. hard for John to take less. Yeah, like John won't. He was like I knocked him out twice. One of them didn't count, but I got two. Well, 
Cormier doesn't care if it's one dollar more. He would get one dollar more than Dylan. Yeah, he he won't. Egos, man. Egos get in the way. Yep. Egos get in the way. And you know, John will say I knocked DC out the last time we fought him. Didn't count. Knocked him out. First fight, I won. Why it, would he get paid more than me? They'll say because he's a champ. It's like, well, I'm the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, and also a champ. Yeah. So it's like, how could you pay? So I. That reason, there's. I just think there's a few things involved. That DC is not going to stick around That's for fair. the bullshit. Like he's like either going to do this or not. He ain't got time. How old's DC? Forty one or forty two? Forty two, I believe. He just turned. Yeah, I don't think he's that interested in sticking around playing with. Now John I got to fact check everything. He is forty one according to this. See, listen, because uh, he turns forty two in March. Yeah. Booyah. Okay, so he's forty one. That's not horrible. No, it's not. I just think he started at thirty one. He got ten years in. John got. 10, 12. Yeah, I just think with DC's body and motivation and the fact that he does TV every week, he doesn't really need it anymore. He just wants to get revenge on the last person he lost to, which is the last fight he had. The John shit is kind of in the rearview mirror. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting. And if not, then you vacate. And if he vacates, Stipe, he loses all leverage. You gotta fight Ngannou again. <laughs> Or John says, He's running scared. John says, hey, man, is, va- is vacant? I'm coming for it. Oh, John will fight Stipe tomorrow. Because yeah. I think John sees himself winning that fight easily. He sees himself winning every fight. It's also fair. I don't, I don't know if he sees himself beating Ngannou easily. No, he sees himself winning, though. That's tough. It, you'd think Derek Lewis' fight was a stinker. Hey. Ngannou's never even touching John. Dude. John, John would beat him with four low kicks around. That's what I'm saying. John, I know John looks at Ngannou as like, there's a path to victory here, and it's pretty easy. I know he thinks that. <laughs> yeah. It's so dangerous because all it takes is It one. does. You're right. Stipe showed that there's a path. Yeah, though. that's what I'm saying. There is a path to beat Damn, Ngannou. that's tough. But I think John looks at the fight and he's like, I can beat him. I don't think there's a person on yeah. this planet that John Jones looks at and is like, that's going to be a really, really tough fight. Yep. I think every his toughest opponent is. Yeah, himself. I think every fight, like the the Dominic Reyes fight, is more about him than what Dominic did. The Tiago Santos fight was more about what he did or didn't do in, than what Tiago did. Yep. The Gustafson fight, I did cocaine <laughs> <laughs> easily. Yeah, like, yeah, like it's not what Gustafson did because he washed him in the rematch. He's like, but the first fight, I was doing cocaine. I was high. I don't even remember the fight. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you know, did a quick line. You know, it fucked me up for that fight. I'm coming into the next one. I'm doing my cocaine three days ahead of time. Oh, uh, no. John is, John is a different beast. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Plenty of different directions. It's going to be a great Saturday worth of fights. This was a great show. Thank you guys all for listening as always. Make sure you guys follow the podcast on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Also follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill on all platforms. Shout out to the sponsors, all 18 of them at this point. Now we need White Claw to jump on the bandwagon and sponsor us too. If you guys are on social media, hit them, hit them up. Let them know that we're looking. Sign your boys. And then also shout out to Blue Wire, the network. It has been a great show. You guys stay safe. Stay Rona free. Till next time, we're out. Peace. 
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.